Welcome back to another edition of the Final Whistle podcast. Ben Kane, Marvin Agueta. Another week, another transfer market week, Ben. A lot of news going on around the world of football. But before anything else, how are you, my friend? I am. I'm great. It's I, I think this is my I know we've done a lot of interviews recently, but this is probably my most anticipated episode. So whew, I, I I love formations. I love picking players and I'm so excited. I'm I'm just up right now. So we have a lot going on. So we're going to do a couple of things just before uh, we get into kind of our, our, our a block of the segment. We're going to talk about MLS. We're going to talk about transfers. We're going to talk about our football who, which is obviously our favorite part of the show. But first, we got to start off by in telling us we're going to have a draft right now. So obviously, we're in the offseason. Uh, a lot of things don't happen, especially when a World Cup's supposed to be starting right now, but obviously got moved to November. So right now, me and Ben have taken uh, are going to have a draft. We're going to draft 11 players based on a list on ESPN of 39 players of male players age of 21 and under we're going to pick 11 players based on the players on ESPN's rankings top 39 players under the age of 21 so Ben I mean are you ready yeah I feel like we should figure out who gets to go first in a, in a more fair way though than just giving it to me you were going to go first but I guess you don't want to go first I mean I can take the first pick if you want I no, let's have a problem with that. All right. Let's do let's do this. All right. In, in the <laughs> uh listen, we're we're on the fly here. I actually want to try this. So I'm gonna we're gonna start football who a little bit early, but it's not gonna be football who. So it's gonna be uh gold. Okay. Marvin, I'm gonna ask you a question. And if you get it, if you get it within three of the answer, you get to go first. So okay. I, I've pulled up here the La Liga golden most goals of 2021-22. So 2021-22, the golden boot winner, how many goals did he have? You, within three, and you get to go first. 25. It's 27. It's Kareem Benzema. So you're, you get to go first. You get to go first. All right. Oh, close. <laughs> I had 26 in my other, and it was going to be my second guess. All right. Um, perfect. Cool. All right. So with the first pick in the 2022 Final Whistle Podcast draft, I will go with Pedri. As my first overall pick. I actually, okay. Okay. I knew this was going to happen. From Barcelona, I'm going to go with Pedri. He's based on ESPN's ranking. He's the number two player, but obviously, you know, going in depth, 19 years old, his value right now is 80 million. He's obviously one of the best young players in football, had an amazing 21 21 season, had played over 70 games where kind of people don't even play that. Uh, Won the silver medal with Spain. And obviously, guys, injury season with Barcelona last year, but uh, had a, a great last uh, 2022 campaign with Barcelona before getting hurt. But, I mean, Pedri, we know kind of, of, of how the way I feel. So, Pedri, that's my first pick. That's a very respectable first pick. And I knew this might happen where you were going to pick him first. So, now I'm at a <laughs> yeah. bit of a crossroad because there's two right. players you can go for. And I think you're going to choose the other one that I don't take. Okay. Um. Okay, I don't think I can say no to this. With the number one pick for the Ben Kane team, okay. I'm going to take Phil Foden. Phil Foden, okay. The number three on ESPN's list. Yes, I know there's another name that's probably going to get taken next, um, but my heart would hurt if I didn't take the golden boy himself. Uh, he's going to play on – he's going to play my left wing. I'm going to play a 3-4-3. Three, three. He's okay. going to play left wing for me. 
because I think there's a bit of lack with the wingers. So I'm going to chuck him out there, which is a team you can, uh, position you can play in very well. So Phil Foden's going to be on the left wing for this one. I, I'm surprised. I had him fifth in my big, big board. Uh, I had four players above him. I think Phil Foden's a fantastic player, but based on the way the game is played and also kind of the way also, I know he's very versatile, yeah, I just feel like I know he's valuable and he's a good player, Ben, but I feel like there's there's another level which I, I just expect him to take. I just don't know when that's going to happen, but I, I thought this past season, I know he scored some crucial goals, but I thought he can take that next level with England, maybe in the World Cup, we'll see, but take that next level where I think, you know, some of these other players, I think they're they're already there. And I think I think you're right. I think at some points he gets lost in the game. Yeah. Uh, where there's so many players on the field that kind of overstep him. But when he's on his game, he is, I think, almost as good as Kevin De Bruyne. And I okay. think that says something. So on his game, prime, like prime Phil Foden, and we're talking about a what a 21 year old. Like it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I'll take him. I'll take him on the left wing. He can do okay. damage over there. Okay. So with the second pick from Team Marvin, all right. We're going to go with Erling Holland, the number one player on ESPN, 21 years old. He's going to join your team in Manchester City next season. I mean, he had the release clause of $75 million, which we all were talking about throughout this whole summer. Uh, City get him for a very good price. I mean, obviously, we know what he did at Borussia Dortmund. I mean, the, the, the amount of goals he scored was just absolutely insane. And I think Pedri with Holland. I mean, Pedro, we saw what, how well he did with Leo Messi. With a player like Holland who could finish plays, I mean, he could play behind the back. He could score headers. He could link up with other players. I think he's just the perfect striker in football. I mean, and that position more than ever has been lost and has been a position that I think is valuable. The way the market has been this season with Holland signing, with Nunez signing, strikers are really hard to find. So I think I'm going to go with early Holland. I that's a great pick. Uh, and I think we, I kind of talked about it before, like we knew he was going to, I thought I knew he was going to fall to this pick for you. Um, so I'm okay with it, but it's crazy that he fell this low, but yeah, I mean, he was the other player I was going to take fantastic, right. fantastic talent. I'm very, I'm very, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I feel like this is good. It's just, you're just a little bit kind of expecting this. So I'm a little scared right now, but all right, you're, you're next, Ben. What's your next pick? I'm going to take this guy. I don't want to take him off the board. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I'm going to take him off the board. I'm going to go for a player that really broke out this year um, and is tipped to be one of the best players in the world. On my right wing spot, I'm going to put Vinicius. Uh, I mean, we talk about him, and and Marvin's not happy about that, which I think means he was going to take him next. Uh, (laughs) He's a player that... Just a few years ago, he came in and you didn't really expect too, too much of him. And now look at where he is now scoring that goal in the Champions League final to win it. Just doing so much for this Real Madrid team, playing alongside lots of Karim Benzema. So him and Phil Foden on the wings are going to be deadly. And I'm I'm very excited for this team. Yeah, I had him. He was going to be my next pick. You took him from me. I had him four in my overall big board. I mean, Vinicius Jr. I mean, he, he reminds me, I, I think sometimes the way he plays reminds me of, of Rodinho, like uh, the way his speed, the way he controls the ball, the way he, he literally, anytime he has the ball on the feet with space, I mean, he's just so deadly. And then just this season, he's just turned into a clinical finisher. So, I mean, I just had him highly rated on my big board, but damn, you took him from me. So nice pick. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. All right. Uh, let's go with my next pick. Number three, Team Marvin will take Jewel Bellingham. <sighs> I will take Bellingham to pair up with Pedri in the midfield. I feel like Bellingham has been one of those players that we don't talk about enough, Ben. I mean, he's a player that I think is close to work. I would say, I mean, in the market, it says it's 75 million, but I think in the market, I think Bruce Dorman want, they want a hundred million. He's just a fantastic player. He can play anywhere, can kind of play that attacking role, can play that defensive role, can play that natural eight, I think could really fit with Pedri. He's a player that had a lot of assists. He had more assists than Pedri, more goals than Pedri. And, and I think he, he's that kind of player could also link up and push up the kind of the way, you know, the young that played at Barcelona. And I think similar profiles, I'm going to go with Joel Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund. He was my next pick, so I'm a little upset. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he's one of those guys, like, like you were saying, that we just don't talk about enough. So uh, great, great pick from you. Great pick from you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you. Okay. So I was kind of trying to figure out how I want to play this, but I think I'm going to play with like three kind of more center mids okay, uh, to make these guys work. So I think for my next pick, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I think he's going to, I'm going to take him now. I'm going to take Kamavinga to play at center mid for me. Ooh, okay. I'm Edward, taking a lot of Edward Calvaringa from Real Madrid. Okay. I, I think he's one of those guys that really came into Real Madrid this year and he, he was kind of a big name move of 30 million, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he played very well when he was in France and then he just kind of fell off and kind of dropped in that more squad rotational role. So we didn't see too, too much of him, but I mean, when he was on the field, he was one of the best players in that midfield learning from the likes of Tony Cruz and Casemiro and Luca Modric. So he's going to be a bit fantastic one for the future. Like we said, only tw- uh, 19 years old, getting into that France national team, the senior team at such a young age and making such an impact under Didier Deschamps. So I'm going to take him. Eduardo so he was 11 on ESPN's big board. So that's a little high for Ben, but I think he he's going with kind of the impact of what he did this season because he had some games, especially against that city game, Ben, <laughs> that you remember very well. So I do. Uh, definitely <laughs> uh, you, you, you like that pick there. Um, all right. So next pick for me, I'm going to go with, a player that was well-known. He's a player that I think you will see him very much in the World Cup in Qatar, and he plays for Bayern Munich. I'm going with Afonso Davis. I'm going with Afonso Davis. He's one of the best left-backs in the world. You know, he has good dribbling skills. I mean, he's a player very composed. He actually can move up different positions, and he's really well in his crossing. I think there's so much improvement. I mean, he didn't really had a good season last year. He had a heart complication in part of this season. And obviously he helped Canada get into the world cup in Qatar. So, I mean, he's going to be a player that I just really enjoy. He's a player that I think is the perfect left back to the way the modern game has gone. I'm going with Afonso Davis. No, where are you playing him? Is he going to play like a lot? What, like what's your formation? Or so, do you have formation? so right now I have, I'm going to play four, three, three. Okay. And he's going to be my left back. Okay. But obviously, you know, four, three, threes, we know how left backs kind of play. They go up higher and kind of the way the modern fullbacks have played. I think it doesn't really matter if it was a fullback or even a left or a left back. I still, I just have him as a left back at my team. Okay. So now that's a very good pick for, I think I'm going to go with another Frenchman. I think this guy, 
really fell on the ESPN list, and I don't. Okay. I mean, he's. I'm. I'm just scrolling through the list right now, and he's ranked 28th. I'm gonna go William Saliba. Wow. Um, I am ahead of my list. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how I kind of what kind of center backs I want on this team. You like a team that has obviously that big physical center back, the one that can kind of play out and the more dynamic one. Um, and Saliba is that big body force. He's going to kind of play in the center more for me, kind of command things. But I mean, I think I talk about him every single episode of the podcast the last few weeks in terms of his impact on that Marseille team, getting into the France national team, like Kamavinga. He's also going back on back to Arsenal where he's hopefully going to make a name for himself. Arteta, I think, came out the other day and said he's not leaving for a while. So young player of the year in France. I think this ESPN list does not do him enough justice. Um, There's still some flaws in his game, obviously, but he's a fantastic center back. Uh, One of the arguably he's getting up there as one of the best. Um, We'll see what he does in the Premier League this year. See if he kind of falls off a little bit, but Camavinga, not Camavinga, William Saliba is going to be my center back. Very high taking him, but I'm okay with this. Okay. I like that pick. Yeah, I think the list kind of, you know, overshadows kind of the way he is. I think he's a fantastic player. And I hope he gets an opportunity at Arsenal because I think he's he's, he's really good. Uh, for my next pick, I'm going to go with Sandro Torali from AC Milan. He's going to be my center defensive midfielder. 21 years old. His value right now is $40 million. Uh, I mean, we obviously know what season he had with AC Milan, helping them win the Serie A title. I mean, he's just a, a, a fantastic player. I mean, he, he's not the way people thought he was because coming in, they thought he was going to be this next Andrea Pirlo. I mean, he's taking free kicks for his team. I mean, he, he they thought he was going to be this kind of style. But I think he has uh, a position where he's not only just a, a passer, which he's really good at, I think he's also a player that can move up in the midfield. He also can defend really well uh, and likes to get dirty, which I like. Uh, and I think he's a player that, could be kind of that um, that number five position, the way my team is played. So I'm going to go with Sandro Torali. He was 15 on the ESPN ranking. Um, I think he's just not well known enough in Serie A. I think he's a very good player, uh, and I think hopefully he continues to grow. I think he's a player that Milan will have for many years to come, but I think I'm going to go with Sandro Torali. Another, another great pick. Uh, that's a really, yeah. I mean, it, we talk a lot about AC Milan players, and I think you're right. I think when you look at the stats and stuff like that, ESPN does not do any of them justice, obviously winning the league in Italy, um, going very, very quietly. Um, For my next pick, I'm going to go back. There's two players I have in mind, and I just don't know who you're going to take from me because I know you're going to take one of them. Right now, right now we're, we're pretty like content with our picks. I think early on we thought we could take each other, but I have a couple. You got a couple. So go right ahead. I think I can either go defensive or more in a, in a midfield role, but mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go, ooh, I'm going to go more of a midfield. I'm going to take Ryan Gravenberch. Um, love it. Love the pick. The IX man going to a Bayern Munich this summer, very cheaply. Um, <laughs> I kind of yeah. see him almost the same as Kamavinga, but I kind of like that. He's obviously a bigger, bit of a mid, uh, bigger player likes to get forward uh, and has that more advanced number eight role. So he's a very technical kid. He's going to do wonders at Bayern Munich. So I'm going to take him and play him alongside Kamavinga. Um, not as much of a dynamic midfield as I would have liked to have right now, but it's going to build itself up. 
I like the pick. I like the pick. I really, I, I will say this, that Ben, I mean, it's your, your picks are pretty, uh, I thought it would be a little bit more challenging because I have a couple of players left on my top 20 before we yeah. obviously go into another uh, a list of players. But uh, I like your team. I like your team. Uh, for my next pick, I'm going with Yami Peño, Villarreal wingback. He will play my right winger alongside Holland. He's from Villarreal. He's a, a, a fantastic young player. He's only 19 years old. His value right now is 40 million. We saw him burst into the scenes last year. He was only a teenager. But uh, from the end of February, he scored four goals against Espanol. Uh, he's a player that very much got called up for the national team for Spain. He's a versatile forward. He can kind of much play anywhere in the front line, which I want my wingers to, to be not only playing just in one position, but could be versatile. I feel like that can help Holland because Holland can basically go to the wing. Some players can move up forward because I want versatile players on my team. I want players that could just not only just be a dominant player, but also be versatile. So this team pretty much that I have is very versatile. I'm going to stick with this. So I'm going to go with Villarreal. Yami Peña, Peño, excuse me. Oh, another great pick. That's a very good pick. So yeah, I mean, we're not having too, too much overlap, which I like. Um, for mine, I'm going to go... I'm actually not going to take the guy I think I was going to take because I, I don't think you're going to pick him anyways, so I can kind of lay off a little bit and wait. Yeah. I'm going to go... So I'm playing three back, but I'm going to play a left back as more of my center back, and I'm going to take... As uh, FC Wonder Kid says, Noon Mench at left center back. So mm-hmm. he obviously played at Sporting and is on loan at PSG. But what I think is really interesting that not many people kind of understand is coming into a PSG team where, I mean, their best left back for years has been Kurzawa. And that kind of says something. And they bring in Hakimi on the other side, thinking he's going to be the starlet and uprises Noon Mench. And does fantastic that calming presence on the ball in the defense kind of likes to get forward a little bit a very tricky technical player um to noon Menge, playing in a team of stars at 19 years old did fantastic this season so he's gonna make it into my team i like the pick that's a nice pick man cool thank you thank you well i'm gonna go i had a couple players in mind now i have to think because <laughs> i think i had a couple players but i i'm not i'm thinking about what you will do when i pick it because I know uh, sometimes it could just kind of get in my way. Uh, I'm thinking about this hard. We also we talked yeah. about. I don't. I think I don't remember if you said it, but we also get. We'll take. We'll take one player above twenty. Uh, under twenty five. So we kind of get like that little starlet that you can throw in the team. Well, I think one is good because yeah. there's, there's a lot of players we still haven't picked. So um, we'll go one player uh, un, above or under right. twenty five. Excuse me. All right. All right. I think I'm good. I'm, I had undecided, but you know what? I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go with Julian Timber from Ajax, 20 years old, 30 million. I think he's been linked to arguably, you know, a lot of teams right now. I think Manchester United has been the one. Timber is a player that's kind of birthed into the scene this season. I mean, he had a great partnership with Ajax, obviously with Eric Ten Hall. I think he's a player on the national team that has a lot uh that could really help the national team obviously it's hard to get into that national team defense with Virgil van Dijk and, and Mark uh, De Ligt so I think he's still a fantastic player great great on the ball uh, I mean he's understanding the way again he's versatile he's fast he's uh defending really well I mean he's a young player I think he won over 70 percent of his duels which is pretty insane that tells you how much speed he has 
And it also, you know, sometimes he has a, 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 a quick first step, which I really like. Um, he lacks a little bit of height. He's only 5'10", but I don't care about that. I'm 5'8", so I'll take <laughs> small defenders as much as I can. So Timber will be my next pick from Ajax. That's a great pick. Uh, and he was honestly going to be my next pick, so I'm a little Ooh. upset. But that's oh. fine. Um, you've really left me no choice here. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take my 25 under 25 player now. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna take the golden boy himself, Killian Mbappe. Is wow. I've kind of been waiting to see kind of what you were gonna do with your team uh, and who you're gonna take for strikers, and I, you already took Holland. Um, there's a name I was going to go with, but I mean, Foden, Mbappe and Vinicius Jr. That's a Champions League level team. I, you know what? No, no, no. Let me let me rephrase that, because obviously Neymar, Messi and Mbappe didn't get it done. This could potentially be a Champions level team. But yeah, I'm going to go with Mbappe up top. I, I don't think I can not take him. Wow. I like that pick. It's a very, very, very good pick. I mean, Kylian Mbappe, obviously, is one of the best in the world. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that pick. I mean. I think Mbappe is obviously the obvious one. He would be number one if this was like 23, under 23, but obviously he's not. I think he was on the list last year, so that's a hell of a pick, Ben. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go – there's a couple names in mind. I will not use my under my under 25 yet. Okay. I will save that for later. Uh, I'm going to go with Gabriel Martinelli on the left wing for me. Again, my team, I want versatility. I'm going to stick with it. Versatility. Martinelli is a player who can also play that number nine position to go into even that, that uh, right wing position. He can play switch uh, positions with Benio's and then which I want. And then my, my midfield of Pedri, uh, Bellingham, Sandor Torali. Uh, you know, I think this is a team, again, my theme is throughout this whole kind of draft has been versatility. I think football has really changed to that. And I think that's kind of why I take Martinelli. Really good season with Arsenal. Um, after having an having injury season before, he's a very good player, and we'll see what happens he does this season. I know. I just really quickly want to ask you something. You yeah. brought up Martinelli. With Gabriel Jesus coming in, what does that mean for Martinelli, do you think? Still playing. I think he's so? still I, I think he's still in the mix. I, I think I think Jesus pretty much takes the Lacazette role and can play even versatile. It can switch positions we know what jesus could do i know we'll get into jesus later but jesus is, is a versatile player that's why i think it'll work yeah no i i i you know i'll save it i just think uh, we're gonna save it we're gonna save it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we'll uh, send into that later to our transfers talk um my next pick all the rest of my players are not gonna i you're not gonna take them because not many of them are actually on this list okay so i think who am i take now I think hmm. – let's do this. I'm going to take, for one of my center mids, a player that I love, and I think he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch, and that is Eunice Musa from Valencia, um, 19 years wow. old, American. Uh, I, he, he won't, I don't think he'll be the first American in my team, but him at the CDM role, and or more like the, the traditional eight role – is something to behold. He has no, like, he has every desire to get the ball and then also spring the counterattack as well as hold possession. He's like the perfect center mid. If you're trying to build a team around someone, 19 years old, you want Eunice Musa in that midfield, getting linked with uh, 
Manchester United this morning under Ten Hag, which is really interesting. So I I know he's not on this list. I think he will be in the next year. I think he got up for Golden Boy this year as well. I think that was announced the other day. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before people start to realize and watch the USA more that this kid is going to be a force in the world. So Yunus Musa, welcome. All right, good pick. I, I actually, that's a little shocker. I did not have you even have on my list. So I will see how <laughs> I will compare again for everybody that's listening. Uh, we will have when when we have our lists on on social. I hope people would vote and see whose list is better because this is going to be a really fun uh, team for both of us. And uh, I would love to see this happen, but obviously it doesn't. This is a kind of a fantasy. But uh, I will choose my next pick. I will go with my under twenty five right now. I actually have two players: Harif Hakimi from PSG, right back from Paris Saint Germain will be my next pick. I mean, I arguably would say he's one of the most underrated players. We don't talk about him enough. He helped Inter Milan win the title uh, last year. He's been fantastic at PSG. I mean, he's just adjusting to playing with Leo Messi, and he just defends really well. I, think, I remember that game against Manchester City. I mean, he was just all over the place. Uh, I think he's underrated. He's only 23, Ben. And, yes, he's, you know, Morocco – this is also a team we have to watch at the World Cup, but I think Hakimi, very good, versatile, can move up, can play fullback, can play wingback. I think he's, again, I mean, alongside Alfonso Davis, I'm very proud of this team right now. I think you definitely Marvin have better fullbacks. Enjoy. You have better fullbacks than me, and I, I'll, I'll perfectly admit it. I think you have a lot better fullbacks than me. Um, I'm going to take another fullback. Great pick. I'm going to take Tino Livermento. The old Chelsea right back, now at Southampton. Boy, did he make Chelsea regret selling him this year. Fantastic for Southampton, linking up with likes of James Ward-Prowse, kind of forming that really nice dynamic between center mid and right back. But, I mean, the balls he puts into the box are just incredible. Um, And we all know how good that Chelsea academy is in terms of pumping out players. The likes of Armando Brogia as well being at Southampton, a part of that. But... Tino Livermento is a very solid right back pick. Someone who's going to eventually get into that England setup. I think once Kyle Walker retires, he'll jump in there, but it's my pick. I'm going to go back to back picks for my uh, under 25. I'm going to go with Gigi Donnarumma as my goalie. Uh, Another PSG player. I mean, I think he's very forgotten. He was so well. Um, at the Euros, obviously Italy would not be where they are without Donnarumma. I mean, he was arguably the best player for Italy, but um, I think he's really well. I mean, this season we saw kind of half of what he could be at PSG because of Kedro uh, Navas. I mean, we, Navas has been fantastic as well, but Donnarumma under 25, he's arguably one of the best under 20 goalkeepers in the world just because of what he does. I mean, he's been playing since like 16 years old. I don't know if you remember, Ben, of how young he was when he made his debut at Ace Milan. And then arguably, he, he's just so good. He can play with his feet. He's really tall for his position. He can basically make any save he wants. I think he's the best goalie under 25 right now. And I think he's, he's that good. And he will one day be the best goalie in the world. Uh, I know that day is not right now, but I think Donnarumma is, is the best pick for me. You've, you've done very well here because you're filling in the gaps where you don't have too, too many options with the right back with the goalkeeper. So yeah. very, very good pick. Now you've put me now I can kind of think aloud. Um, I can think out loud about my decisions a little bit more because you don't have any under 21, uh, 25 spots left. I don't. 
So I have I have a goalkeeper that I've I know who I'm gonna take, so I'm fine taking another midfielder in this team. Yeah. So my options here are Mason Mount, okay, Frankie De Jong, Valverde is older, I think. I think who else is under twenty under twenty five. I, mean, I think those, those are... you still have plenty of players on the list as well. Yeah, I don't I don't really like I I, I want to kind of use this under twenty five okay. more. Um, you know what? I can I can actually let me go back and think about this while you're doing your next pick. I'll continue that. So I'll pick my goalkeeper right now. Um, I'm going to take Gabriel Slonina from Chicago fire. Wow. Now you're probably everybody. Everybody's like, wow, what a pick. I mean, remember when Bill Simmons once upon a time said it on, Whoa. I mean, that was insane (laughs) in the 2013 NBA draft. I mean, when Anthony Bennett was taken, I mean, that was kind of, Whoa. I mean, I, I don't know. So wow, here's, explain. Here's my thing. People don't know who this guy is. He's linked with Chelsea, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Manchester United. All these top top teams in the world are going after this guy right now. And he's probably going to go to Real Madrid or Chelsea within the next few days, honestly. Yeah. Um he's 19 years old, so he fits this mold or 18, excuse me. If you watch this guy play, I, I know the MLS isn't the best standards, but this guy can't be stopped. He's 6'4". He's got to be over like 230, 240. He's just a brick wall who can distribute really well. Um, he'll probably declare. I think he actually did just declare to play for the U.S. men's national team. So definitely someone to watch. But Gabriel Salanino, I mean, remember the name Gabriel Salanino because in two years, this guy's going to be at the top. Wow. Well, with my <laughs> final pick, right now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I have one more pick left. For my final pick, I will go with Eric Garcia. I'm going with Eric Garcia. Now, I the way my team is like to play, I want to play in possession. And so meaning I think Timber will be a lot, as I said, 70% of duels he's dominated. And so that means that gives an opportunity for Eric Garcia to come in. Eric Garcia had a great game against Real Madrid, has a couple of ga- good games in in the Champions League. But, I mean, he's had his ups and downs as well. He struggled against um, Galatasaray, a couple of games in, in, in La Liga as well. But I think Eric Garcia has a lot of potential. I think his the way he passed from the back is probably Barcelona's best passer, which is not good to say. His defending still needs work to do. But when you have a guy like Timber – kind of the way Araujo is or even Piquet alongside, I think that helps Garcia so he doesn't make uh, the mistakes that he he does. So I'm going to go with Eric Garcia. That's a very good pick. Um, I honestly, I love Eric Garcia. Um, I just don't, I don't know. That's the thing. I think, I think he didn't have his best days at City. And I think at the beginning, he hasn't had his best days at, Barcelona yet I think there's a lot more like you said to see come from him so it's, it's a very good pick um okay that's my final pick so I mean yeah. let's let's remind people of uh by the way we don't uh have on the list we still have Gio Reyna we have Nuno Mendes we have Gabby I have Nuno Mendes I have Nuno Mendes do you took Nuno Mendes okay, okay. Yeah, yeah yeah Um, apologies apologies I didn't just, I didn't write him took him out the list uh Gio Reyna we have Gabby we have Saka who's still on the list uh, let's also, I mean, we had Florence Wades from 
Germany. Oh, I'm blanking right now. 18 years old. He's out of Leverkusen. List. Yeah, Leverkusen. Uh, he's still on the list. I mean, you know, if interested. Uh, I mean, pretty much everything. We got Rodrigo. Got to score two goals against Manchester City in about two minutes. Still on the list. <laughs> As well, I mean, there's still plenty of options, Ben. So, who will be your final pick? <sighs> Smith okay. Rowe also it's, to me mentioned. It's not going to be. Let me just make sure he's the right age. Oh, okay. It's he's not the right. Okay, I'm going to take him. I thought Leroy Sane was 25, but he's 26. Um, he would have played my cam. But I'm going to take I'm going to take Frankie De Jong as my final uh, plus 25 player, playing more of a, another eight. Um, I, I mean, I know he's still not having his best days at Barcelona, but I, it's the same for most of these guys where they're so young. Frankie yeah. Young's obviously 25. His ceiling is still so high. Um, and with that move to Man United, while I'm a City fan, and I think that's a terrible move for him, um, we, they need to see him play somewhere else to kind of really get the best out of him, and that might be a good fit under Ten Hag. But yeah. Frankie Young is, is one of, it, it will still be one of the best midfielders. He's still got time. I like that. And so let's uh, recap our picks, Ben. So I have uh, from my back, my back, we'll start from the defense. Donnarumma as my goalkeeper, Hakimi as my right back, Eric Garcia as my center back, Timber as my center back, Alfonso Davis at my left back, Sandro Torali in my midfield with Jewel Bellingham and Pedri. Uh, and then my forwards will be Gabriel Martinelli, a Yami Pino and Erling Holland. 433. I would like just I, I would just like to note that no one took Kareem out of Yami. I know. And that's a really interesting thing. I thought you were gonna take him. That's why I took Mbappe. Um yeah. So my team is uh Gabriel uh Slonina at goalkeeper. A back three uh from left to right, Noon Mensch, William Saliba, Tino Livermento. And then it's going to be a CDM of Yunus Musa, a flat midfield of Kamavinga, Gravenberch, and Frankie De Jong. Front three from left to right of Foden, Mbappe, and Vinicius Jr. Wow. Okay. I think uh, we've done very well. I think the wealth has been truly spread. Amongst now, now I, I, I think our listeners, and I hope everybody that's listening, I hope, well, again, we'll, when, the, when the time comes, we'll, we'll post this on social. But... Um, I think this is a, a true evidence of kind of where our formations are and kind of the way with styles. And I honestly think I have the best striker in Holland. Uh, I took him. I didn't take him number one, but he was number two pick. So, I mean, you got Mbappe. So that, I think this is going to be a nice matchup between you and me, Ben. I think we have really good front threes. Um, but I mean, that's to, to be fair. I think that's kind of expected with, especially the way ESPN kind of ranks their, uh, makes their list where it's like the top are the, usually the attacking players, but I think I think the listeners are going to think this one's going to be very close. I think you might have edged me, um, especially that you have Don Romengol and I have Gabriel Slanina. But remember his name because he'll be around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll leave it there. I mean, and that was the end of the 2022, the Final Whistle podcast draft. I mean, I think if we can make this annually, we will. Uh, or we'll do more of these lists. So I hope people who are listening can know uh, what's your top 11. You can go to ESPN right now uh, and basically go to an article called who are the 
39 best male players under the age of 21. Uh, and there's an article up and let's see what you guys want, but we'll put this on social media for, for everybody to know uh, what's our list for our top, our draft picks. And I think we are very content. So we'll leave it there. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into some of the MLS story of the week and much more here on the final whistle podcast. All right. I mean, football, I mean, there's always some something going on, just like Kyrie Urban kind of putting news on on the air, uh, like, you know, likes to kind of hit the headline, likes to bring up news. I mean, it was the same thing with another player, but he doesn't he's not from here. He's from Wales. And that's Garrett Bale. Let's start there, Ben. Garrett Bale made his transfer to surprisingly a team in L.A. called LAFC, not the L.A. Galaxy. That's opting to join the team for a 12-year contract with an option to, to play for the 2024 season after leaving Real Madrid. Bale's 32 years old after making a move from Tottenham in 2013 for a then record $100 million. Um, he's joined the team as a free agent. I mean, he's obviously, you know, LAFC have put it up on their website, you know, saying I'm really excited to join uh, LAFC. This is what Bale said on joining the club. This is the right place for me and my family. And the right time in my career, I can't wait to get started working with the team and getting ready to win more trophies in L.A. So, Ben, what's your reaction? Garrett Bale joining the MLS at the age of 32. I uh, immediately texted my friend and said, all right, we're going to go to an uh, LAFC game. But I think I don't think many people. So I'm an avid MLS fan. I think that's very apparent when you watch this podcast. Yeah. The way the MLS is right now is a very top league, and it's going to get into that top five in the world. So it's a, it's a perfect fit for Gareth Bale. And I think the most important thing to note is Gareth Bale, what was it, a three-year deal, I think, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, so there's some compensations with the way that deal is kind of made. So it's the way it's, – it's structured kind of weirdly to explain to people because – they pretty much, I mean, it's he's not making much. He's, I think his his annual salary is about 1.5 million, which is not a lot. But uh, obviously, you know, the longer he's there, I think that contract will move up. So that's kind of the way it is. So they kept Carlos Vela and also signed Chiellini as well. So obviously, this is all kind of I don't know how LAFC did the math here, but they somehow, some way, got three. I would say mostly two, two and plus Chiellini um, star players to join their team. So, I mean, it's going to be quite interesting. Yes, they signed. That's uh, the way contract works. So, yeah, Vela, for those of you who don't know, MLS teams get three designated player spots where they can kind of boost the contract a little bit more. So Vela is the only player in that designated contract spot and Chiellini and Bale slide in somewhere else. But uh, that's beside the point. Um, So Bale, Bale season will finish up, which is kind of what I think he wanted. Yeah. right at the start of the world cup and he will be most likely in tip top shape. He is in very good shape right now. And most people think I, I think from what I was reading from him is he yeah. came out with a tweet, uh, a quote and it said, most people think I'm injured all the time. That's why I don't play in reality. I've been fit for about six months and he's just not getting picked. Um, but I think <laughs> Bale still has a lot in the tank. He's only 32 years old. Yeah. Um, and I, when he was at Real Madrid at the very beginning, like James Rodriguez kind of in the beginning of his Real Madrid career, he was one of the best players in the world. He was unstoppable. And him, 
him, Benzema, and Cristiano Ronaldo were the best front three. BBC. BBC we've ever honestly seen. And then obviously some others kind of popped up. But this guy still got something. And especially when he's getting so much rest and recovery from barely playing at all, I want to see him tear up the MLS. And think about watching a Wales team, Gareth Bale, starring in week in, week out, like over the past few years where – he hasn't been getting much game time. Now you throw him into a team where he's expected to play 90 minutes every single game in a very good competition. I can only imagine what Wales are going to do with this World Cup if he is fit and he is playing correctly. I agree with you. I think Bale still has talent. I think he's a star name that I think when he made his signing to Real Madrid, I mean, people were were expecting him to kind of live up to what his, his price tag was, which he did. Um, a lot of people obviously did not like the way it ended. My thing with Garrett Bale is this. He's a fantastic player. I will say this. I hope he gets fit if he is and also just finds his motivation again. I think the last couple of years have been an issue, not only with Garrett Bale uh, and their manager, but for some weird reason, he's not selected, you know, Carlos Ancelotti came in and that's kind of where I drew the line. Like this is an issue. I know Zidane had his issues as well uh, with Garrett Bale. Um, some managers before even Jose Mourinho had the same thing when he was at Tottenham. I think there was a, a pattern where he was going of, of not giving his 100%, even though, as we saw with, you know, Wales, he, he always plays his 100%. I think, the problem we want to see with Bale is can we see his best consistently at a club level? Because we've not seen that for the last couple of seasons. And that's probably the, the only questions I want that to be answered. I know obviously the World Cup is going to, you know, you know, is going to happen for Wales, but we want to see Gary Bale fit. And so that's also where I'm asking, will he play 90? Because he knows I want to be fit for Wales. So the question will be, will he play a certain amount of games? Will we get rest? Because he's only 32 years old, and it's the last couple of years he hasn't really played much. So that's what I, I hope to see. I hope to see to play him 90 minutes, maybe a bunch of games where he can score and contribute because the talent's there. No one's questioned that. I think the only thing is his desire and is also where his mindset is of how fit he wants to be going into Qatar. So we've kind of I – mean, I think I've – been an advocate here where I'm kind of trying to draw away that the MLS is the Elf and Graveyard League. Is this a good move for the MLS? Obviously, we talk about Bale's move specifically. Is this a good move for the MLS where they're kind of taking in an older star? Do you think it'll that, – that's my question. Is is this bringing back the so, elephant graveyard connotation? No, no, because okay. Garrett Bale – no, no, no. Because Garrett Bale's talent-wise, he's only 32 years old. So that's the difference here. I don't think if he was 35, 36, like Chiellini, the way Chiellini – if you can say – if you can make the argument for Chiellini because that – he's – you know, I think in his tail end, really tail end. Garrett Bale is a little different because Garrett Bale has performed where you could still believe there's a lot left in the tank for Garrett Bale, especially what he did with Wales, helping them get into their World Cup in Qatar. So I think this is different. I don't think that graveyard mentality is there for this signing particularly. I mean, you can make it arguably for other signings. You know, Frank Lampard was another one. Andrea Pirlo was that. I mean, they were just towards the and end of their career. So that's completely different. Garrett Bale is 32, still with a lot of, uh, of legs still left to, to put into the MLS. And so I think maybe if he does, you know, again, it's all about desire. If he wants to play more than a year, then, I mean, he could play more than a year and he could still be a part of uh, LAFC and the league itself. And I think he'll perform well. I don't, I don't think he'll, I don't think 
we'll see him not score more than 10 goals with LAFC. I think he's that good of a player. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, for this player, Garrett Bale, I don't think that, that, that headline should be under Garrett Bale. I, I got one more. Cause I, I think yeah, this topic is really interesting. We've seen the likes of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Wayne Rooney recently come to the MLS, both for galaxy and Dallas respectively. Yeah. And then they've gone back to Europe. Is this a move Gale, Gareth Bale is looking at saying, I'm going to use LA Galaxy to get fit, get into the World Cup, and then go back to Cardiff, potentially, or another club that he's been linked with? Or after this World Cup, is he going to hang up the boots? <laughs> I put you on the spot here. <laughs> I don't know. I think the way he is, I don't think he wants to finish his career. I would I would believe so. He wanted to believe go back to Cardiff. Um, in Wales, I mean, there was even links this this summer that he was going to go into that team, but um, I don't think he's going to finish his career there. No, I, if, to answer that question, I don't think he'll he'll go back. I think I was pausing a little bit and thinking like he'll do that, but I don't know. But what, I don't know what you think, Ben. But I don't believe he he'll he'll finish his, his career here. I I think it all really depends. So, I mean, Wales' ambition here for the World Cup if we're being honest, most likely is to get out of the round of 16 and try to get into that eight. And then whatever happens from there happens. I think that's their ambition. I think if you're a Wales manager, that's what you want to do. Um, obviously you want to win the world cup, but like that's kind of where you're striving for. And I yeah. think if they do that, he'll finish out, he'll play another season at LAFC kind of give back to, for them obviously signing him and taking him. And then I yeah. think he's done. I also don't know because I don't see Gareth Bell as much of a fighter anymore. I think earlier in his career, he would see this as a challenge where he was like, okay, I'm going to take these minutes for the next, because he could play in the next World's Cup. I don't think that's a doubt. He could definitely get into that next World's Cup side and be okay. Um, But will he take those next four years to really push himself to get Wales back or will he just give up? And I think that's where he just gives up. Um, So I think it all depends, but I'm most likely seeing him playing another year and then he's done. And I think he doesn't have any more motivation apart from the next few months where he's kind of riding off the high of getting out of Real Madrid. I hope you're right. I mean, I guess, but I just don't, you know, he's, he's quite a bit an interesting player throughout football because I mean, he was a player that, you know, had was high flying, just had so much talent. And I mean, he's just transformed to a player that accomplished so much with Real Madrid. It was never appreciated as Real Madrid fans um, as he should have. And I think, you know, he's a player now that's just won everything. And now he's just in, in kind of, accepted terms of where he is in his career at the club level like you know I've won everything I mean there's really not much for me to do that's why we kind of see those um, those funny memes about him playing golf I just don't think he's the motivations there I mean he's 32 wouldn't surprise me if he does retire after the World Cup but I just don't think so I think there's still level of football in him I don't think he would want to finish here that's where I just believe he more than anything else he would want to finish in his home country so I think he'll probably leave. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting few months to see what he does. I'm excited, though. Very excited. We'll see. Uh, so, yes, we all know when he'll make his debut or when he'll have his first, you know, official game with the LAFC. But we do know the LA rivalry is back because the Galaxy, we'll see what they do uh, and try to match up what LAFC did to their team. As I mentioned, they got Keelini as a free agent as well and kept signing and kept Carlos Vela uh, for another year. So this LAFC team may have a lot of expectations. So we'll, 
Uh, I'll talk about that as the season continues there. Let's get into our top stories in MLS. Obviously, we do MLS stories of the week. Ben, let's start with you. I mean, what's your top story um, for this week in the MLS outside of Garrett Bale signing with LAFC? I love to take this opportunity to talk about my beloved New England Revolution. Um, two points. A, we're filming this on Monday. Today is the day that Matt Turner uh, officially signed his contract at Arsenal. And before I get into my kind of my talking point from last night's game uh, versus, oh my God, versus Vancouver, excuse me. Um, I think it's outrageous that Arsenal didn't announce Matt Turner until today. And we've known about this move for about five or six months and they haven't put a single tweet with his name in it saying he was coming or that they confirmed the transfer. Um, and then he just got ripped apart in all the tweets saying how he's not better than burn Leno. There's reserves that are better than him. Just, just watch Matt. Turner wow. play. Um, Cause I was a little upset by that today, but my re- the revolution played last night tied zero zero against Vancouver. I think my storyline for there, a Petrovic fantastic replacement for Nat Turner. He'll be gone out the door within the next few years. He's a brick wall. First MLS clean sheet making the team of the week. But the point, the problem here was that the revolution don't have Adam Buxa, um, and they're still on a nine game unbeaten streak. Defending wise, they're great. They'll get Henry Kessler back and they'll slot him alongside and take out John Bell, uh, making that defense even better. Then they'll get rid of Dela Garza, bring back Brandon by as well. Captoon playing fantastic, the La Masia product, but they don't have a striker and they're playing Gustavo Bo right now. They need to find a designated striker they can slot in and get goals because they're not getting it. And when you have to go on the bench and look at Josie Altador and say, this guy is going to come in and score, it's not going to happen, Bruce. It's never going to happen. He's not going to score. Um, so the Revs are definitely missing out on Buxer right now, which is really sad because he's a fantastic, fantastic player. I hope he does all the best in rents. But, yeah, the, the Revs need a, a goal scorer. That's my takeaway from watching that game yesterday. So obviously, before I get into my story, we'll say this. So right now in the East, uh, the Union are first place with 29 points. And LAFC, as we mentioned, are top of the West right now with 33 points. And before, I just want to mention that real quick. And now let's get into my story of the week. I'm going to go with a team out of this country. And that's Toronto FC, who revealed their new face of their franchise on Monday, which is uh, Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, he was introduced as their new player, has the number 24, was introduced today. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of intentions, uh, a lot of kind of questions for him to come into MLS, but yet he did. Um, he's 31 years old. He's a, a player that had a well, tremendous job at Italy. And he kind of talked about kind of his ex- experience here, and he said this. Uh, I could have stayed in Europe. I'm 31. And I had so many years in front of me, he said, uh, you know, into this game or into the presser. He also said this, but I ch- wanted to choose this, the happiness and well-being of my family. I won a lot with Napoli and I lost as well, but I wanted to change. And most importantly, a challenge either in another European team or here in America. I heard people say soccer in North America is not real soccer, but I've seen it and it's not true. So obviously, you know, his first game is going to be, July 9th, which is in a couple of weeks, two days after, um, you know, the market started for the transfer window uh, in the MLS, he'll probably make his debut, which is going to be at home against San Jose. So that's going to be a huge game. And obviously, you know, you know, he's having to wear the number 24. He signed a four year contract. We obviously, you know, we all know how 
Uh, he's going to be paid, but um, according to reports, he's going to be the highest played MLS player passing Shakiri at 8.15 in 2022. So, I mean, you know, he's going to pay a lot of money. He's going to be a, a nice player into this nice uh, LA Toronto, excuse me, Toronto team. I mean, but I mean, looking at Toronto right now, they are right now fourth to last only 18 points in 16 games. I mean, they pretty much need his help to kind of push forward. But obviously, I mean, it seems like according to his quote, it was much more than than just a, a football decision. I think I, we talked. I asked you the question about Gareth Bale coming to the MLS and kind of bringing up the elephant graveyard connotation. They've gone out and they've gotten a player from Napoli who's almost. I mean, I would still consider him kind of in his prime a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, this is a great great get for the Toronto FC. So it, it's a very good signing. I, I'm very excited to see what he can do. First. I'm. I will predict this. I think if. If he gets it right and he somehow get to a good start, I think the comparison for me is Sebastian Javinko. It's the way I look at it. Both Italians, both actually, you know, we were playing in Europe when they first came in here, and then we saw what Javinko did. I mean, he's arguably one of the great MLS players of all time. The, 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 the span that he played in, I mean, he was just terrific. I kind of sense that potentially with Insigne with this Toronto team, I'm not saying it's going to change the landscape because we, you know, they're a team that's really struggling as well, but potentially I might, we might see something similar to that. I'm just saying. No, I completely agree. I mean, even the body type as well. And the, the, the look of them is the exact same. So if, if Insigne can bring even half of what Giovinco brought, he's yeah. going to have a great MLS career. So it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah, hopefully he does. I mean, again, he's making his debut in a couple weeks, and we'll see what he can do, and maybe he'll take some headlines. Uh, So we'll leave it there. That's our MLS stories of the week. When we come back, we'll talk about some transfer news, and, I mean, we kind of spoiled it earlier in our draft, but we'll get into that much more here on the Final Whistle Podcast. All right, Ben, let's get to transfer talks, because obviously there was a lot of transfer news that happened um, since we had our last episode. Gabriel Jesus, as we talked about in the top, was going to Arsenal for about $45 million. I mean, let's let's first start there. I mean, what's your reaction? Gabriel Jesus leaving Manchester City, pretty much a really good season last year, uh, and joining an Arsenal team that's desperate for a number nine. Um, I'm going to plug myself right now, uh, BigBenCan36.com. I wrote a blog about this, how I said Arsenal was the worst possible outcome for Gabriel Jesus to go wow. into. And I think it's Pep Guardiola's fault. Jesus came in to City in 20, I'm looking at my poster, 2015 16, if I'm not mistaken. Comes in and immediately you're like, this guy might be able to pl- replace Gabriel, uh, Sergio Aguero. Obviously, he came and he kind of joined in January from that loan deal. Yeah. Wasn't able to do that. And then this year you saw a different Jesus getting thrown out on the right wing, which is where I think he's been his best. And I see him more as a winger now. So yeah. I'm looking at this Arsenal team and I'm saying, who is his most likely comparison? Because I don't see him as a striker anymore. And I think Nicola Pepe, $80 million from Lille, and he is absolutely flopped at Arsenal. So when I'm looking at him, I don't see Jesus working in this scheme. I think the biggest point today brought up was that 
he's such a versatile player. He can kind of play anywhere, which is what Arteta's going after in this window. But if you're trying to utilize player strengths, which is what you need to do, he's yeah. not a striker anymore. And I, if you want to play the way Arsenal do, yes, he's a bit more technical and can pass the ball a little bit better than Pepe. He doesn't fit no. this system. So I don't think it's a good move at all. Um, I would love to see him at Tottenham. I think him and Kul- uh, Kulisevsky, they are a very comparable player right now. And the way Kulisevsky has slotted in, he would have been so much better with Son on the left. And it sort of worked out better for him, in, in my eyes. I disagree with you so much. And I disagree with your article. I think this is a great signing for Arsenal. 100%. I think Jesus, hey, man, I agree with you. You know, he's supposed to be, you know, the profile, the way he started off. I mean, he was supposed to be kind of the heir apparent to Sergio Aguero. Um, he, you know, Pep Guardiola has moved in kind of different positions throughout his, uh, his his time at City. But I think this is a player that Arsenal need desperately. I mean, when you look at the market, the number nine position, I mean, there's limited players right now when you look at number nine. I mean, obviously Lewandowski is a player. Maybe you could have used it there. I mean, who knows? But um, Arsenal don't right now have Champions League football. And so that's also affecting them. So they had to overpay a little bit to City to make sure they get Jesus into the team. And I also believe he's going to be one of the highest paid players on Arsenal uh, in salary. That's why, again, they had to overpay to try to get a player that will not be in Champions League football, which Jesus was part of with Manchester City. That's number one. And I think he needs playing time. He wants to be a part of the World Cup team in Brazil and be a starter. And he wasn't going to do that with Erling Holland on the team. I don't think there was any spot for him uh, at his team club right now. You know, the moment they signed Holland, the moment I think Jesus and his agents and everyone around him was like, I think this is a time for mo- to move now. I didn't like the Spurs comparison. I think Harry Kane, Young Ming Song, and Kuliseski are our perfect front three. I don't think you want to do anything to bother that. I don't think Jesus would be a good fit there. And I think if Jesus wants to be the man and wants to be the number nine and plays natural position, he will have an opportunity at Arsenal. Kind of the similar way Alexis Sanchez, I will make a comparison yet again. The way Alexis Sanchez was at Barcelona, Neymar came in and there was just no room for Alexis Sanchez to be at Barcelona. And so he made his move to Arsenal. I mean, those first couple of years, Alexis Sanchez was arguably one of the best players in the Premier League. And so this is going to be an opportunity for Jesus to show what kind of goal scorer he is. He also wants to prove that he belonged with the Brazil national team. And also, he's very still very young. I think there's still a lot of potential there. And if he can score towards the end the way he did last year, I think he'll, he could be a good addition to this Arsenal team that looking for a lot of versatile players, as we saw. You know, they're, they're a team that, again, and kind of the similar way I had in my draft is kind of the way Mikel Arteta wants to play. You know, you know Martinelli and, and Jesus can switch. You know, um, Saka could switch with those players as well. So I think... You know, I think this is a great signing. I think he his position is to be the number nine there. He will have, I believe, that number nine shirt on him. So I think that's a great move from Arsenal. If I'm Eddie and Katia at all, I'm furious. Like he's <laughs> just signed this long-term deal. He he was so under he was oh, like overlooked at Arsenal. Do you believe wait, wait, Ben, Ben, but do you believe he's the Etienne's the answer? I mean, he had that late season push, but like you know, prior to that, we didn't really see much from him. Absolutely. I think he's the I think he's the answer. Wow. Okay. I really think I mean his loan, I think he's gone to Middlesbrough and one or two other teams. Hasn't really done too too much, but yeah. I think he has the skill to do it. 
He just needs to develop more. He played a lot, a lot of games with the England under 21s, and he was by far the best player on that field for years. Score, I think one game he scored four or five. Um, but I think the biggest thing right now is now that he has Mikel's confidence in him, because I mean, like we said, he got overlooked for so long, and Mikel was like, that one press yeah. conference that'll it'll sit in my brain forever is when Mikel Arteta <laughs> got on the stand and said, I didn't even think this guy, I didn't know this player was here, and I fully apologize to him. Uh, and when a manager says something like that to you, that right there is like, I want to work even harder to make him feel even worse about himself for overlooking me. I think, I just think he's, I don't think he's better than Jesus by any means, but I think he fits the Arsenal scheme more. Well, he's going to get in behind more. And I think Jesus is turning into more of a technical player. That's where I think he doesn't fit in. I think him and Pepe, I I know, I know you don't agree with me. They're too similar. Pe- Jesus is way too technical for this Arsenal team right now. I- I disagree. I think he's, I think he had to not look at, I think looking look at him, look, so Etienne, I did his, I just literally wanted to look up his stats for the last couple of seasons of Arsenal. Prior to, you know, having that late push with Arsenal. Here we go. Last year, before last year, 17 appearances, two goals, one assist. Before that, two goals, zero assists. Before that, one goal, zero assists. I mean, like, I just he never had an opportunity. I, I know some of these players come in and they and they perform like he's 23. He's not even 20, he's 19 years old. He's 23. I, I, I just don't understand. I mean people had I, I never understood why they re-signed him even to begin with. Maybe you wanted to have just uh, different options um and just had more depth. And I think that makes sense. But other than that, I just if you think he's going to be the starter for Jesus, I don't believe that. And anyway, before I continue, let me just give you Jesus' numbers. So last year in the Premier League, he had eight goals, eight assists. Before that, nine goals, four assists. Now, that's not a good season. Before that, 14 goals, seven assists. Before that, seven goals, three assists. The prior year before, 13 goals, three assists. And then his first season when he only came half the year and 10 appearances, seven goals, four assists. I mean, Jesus, as much as people want to be critical, and I think Manchester City fans have their ways, you know, both good and bad, he scores more goals. I mean, look in the way they need last year. I think he's a player that scores goals. I look at him as a number nine that can play versatile different positions. I don't know the way you look at him, Ben, but I just believe Jesus is a good option for 45 million. And at his age, um, I mean, Jesus right now is, 24. I think he's 24, 24 yeah. and has more production than no, no, he's 25, 25 and two years older than Etienne and, he has so much more production and experience. I know he played in the city team that's much more talented than his Arsenal team. But Etienne did not come into the scene until those final couple of weeks for Arsenal. So I'm not sure he's the answer. I'm going to say one last point. I've I've seen almost – I think I've seen – I'll say I've seen 35 out of the 38 Man City games this season. Right. Every single one of Jesus's goals are in and around the penalty spot. Not that he's shooting, that it's getting cut across and he's tapping it in. Arsenal don't need that. And I think the price is right. He's a good signing. I I don't think that's what I'm saying. I I just don't think he fits well into what Arsenal are trying to get at right now. Um, And I think his strengths are better utilized on the wing, and that's something they don't need. Where I think Enketia is good is Jesus is not a player anymore that's going to get in behind. He doesn't have the pace, and he doesn't have the dribble. He kind of has the dribbling ability, but he doesn't have that... I'm going to run right at you and get around you. That's where I think Eddie Nketiah fits in the system. He can score the tap in like Jesus, 
but he can also take a longer shot, which is something we haven't seen from Jesus yet. And in an Arsenal team where you kind of need someone to pluck out those different types of shots where they're not going to break you down like Man City. They're going to try to, but if they can't, what else is your next option? And if you have Jesus on the field, he's not going to yeah. shoot a long shot. And Ketia will be the one to rip one. That's where I think Enketi is the better option there. It's not that I'm saying he's a bad signing. I think he's a good signing. I love him. I just don't think he fits the scheme. I think there's better systems. If he's going to go somewhere, he'll fit better. How many goals do you think he scores Jesus with Arsenal coming up in the Premier League? Ten goals. That's it. I don't think he scores many more. And I know that's still – I mean, that's still good. Um, mm-hmm. But I think he scores two or three at the beginning of the season – all right, I shouldn't. Th- I think he scores five or six at the beginning of the season, falls off a little bit, and then just kind of pushes his way to the finish line at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're going to move him on the wing. Do you, and I think, do you believe Jesus is enough for Arsenal to get into the top four? I think right now they have enough players, anyways, and I think he just helps them even more. I I I really I really thought they would have made it this year, mm-hmm. and I know the last few games didn't really go their way. Um, but they had the squad to do it this year, and there's been no bad signings, especially when you sell Burn Leno and you bring in Matt Turner. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, I think I think they're fine either way. This is just kind of adding to the arsenal, if you will. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. Gabriel Jesus will be an Arsenal player next year, and I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's going to be a huge question. I mean, hopefully, we you know next year we we talk much more of what Jesus does, and then, and we'll kind of keep the tape, but. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. But, I mean, it is a, a, another move that Arsenal's made. They have made a lot of moves trying to improve their squad. Mikhail Arteta is still trying to make the squad better, and we'll see what Arsenal can do. Um, let's move on to get into uh, another player that made a move to a, another big club, and that's Sadio Mane. We, uh, ben, we didn't talk about him making his move to Bayern Munich for about 35 close to $40 million in add-ons from Liverpool. So let's get into Mane decision to leave Liverpool to join Bayern. Do you think that was the best decision for him? And do you think Bayern Munich uh, will now allow Robert Lewandowski to leave the club? I don't really know why he would have left. And I think the biggest thing, I think Liverpool now, where, I mean, Jurgen Klopp's kind of said it. Oh, I don't want to spend a hundred million on a player. And you go out and buy Darwin Nunez and you go out and buy Diego Jota. Excuse me, all these big players. I think what Sadio Mane got sick of was, he was seeing these younger guys come in in his position, and he's like, it's time for me to go. Even if he's not he – still, he was still clearly the best option for them on that left wing or yeah. in the central position. But seeing those guys in, you kind of shown the door a little bit more. Liverpool, obviously – I mean, at, right now, I think he was worth on transfer market when he left was $90 million, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And they kind of got forced because he needed to leave with his contract. But in terms of Bayern, I don't – I think he rips the league apart. Um, and we know how easy the Bundesliga is. I, I saw something where it was goal contributions in terms of goals and assists. They think he's going to get like 30, and I don't doubt that at all. Um, but Lewandowski now is interesting because he's not going to go back there. I think he's gone anyways. But where do you put Mane is my question. Because I don't think he can be the striker. Um, I think he needs to be built more on the wing, kind of cut in and do what he's done best over these past years with Southampton uh, as well as Salzburg and then Liverpool. Mm. So it's going to be interesting. I think, I think Lewandowski's already out. I don't think that's even a question. So 
then at that point, do you sell Serge Gnabry, who's also been linked with the door? If you're bringing in Saudi Oman, it's another yeah. interesting thing. It's kind of a domino effect that's going to happen. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think 30 goal contributions is e- easily obtainable in the league. Champions League's going to be different. I think they're going to have a tougher time in the Champions League. I agree with you. Yeah, with the he's going to have 30 goals. I mean, it's going to come to either assists or, or, or goals, but I think that combination will probably be likelihood of what Mane does. I think it's a good move for Bayern Munich. Uh, I think, I mean, is it a Robert Lewandowski? No, I don't think that. But the way I think of this, Ben, um, Nagusman, his teams, the way they played, especially when Warner was there. I mean, Warner, what you see now at Chelsea, I mean, his goal-scoring opportunities are it's just, you know, are shaky at times. And I think Mane is much more of an upgrade than that. So I think he may put Mane as that number nine and, and go with a lot of wingers and go with versatile players. I mean, now they're seeing, I mean, you hear reports out of Lewandowski potentially now, Bayern are saying we want 50 million. I mean, they're upping the price for Barcelona who want him. But, I mean, they want players that uh, could be versatile. And I think for Nagusman, that's what he wants. I mean, even look at his, 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 uh, his life, his life fit teams they were really versatile from different positions and i think that's kind of what he wants and not in ganabri i mean i think he stays in the end i think you have sane ganabri kun uh kunman and then they had money i think that's a lot of great players i mean a lot of wing players but i mean i don't know what they're going to do for the future wise but i again it's a big question to see what happens with Mane, but I mean, Liverpool, I think it'll be just fine. I mean, they'll miss him at the beginning. It depends on all on one player, and that's going to be Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz does not play the way that Luis Diaz had towards the end last year. People are going to start asking questions about Mane or even Darnell Nunez. They need some level of production, especially uh, of what Mane did last year, because even Salah had a great year, played fantastic, but towards the end, he ran out of gas, and Mane really picked up um, the pace or or even the the shoulders of, of Salah. So I think that's a player, in my opinion, that needs to step up Luis Diaz for Liverpool in order for, for Liverpool fans to forget, or not forget, or even just kind of, you know, kind of uh, have that same production the way Mane did because he was fantastic. I think there's really quickly, we're looking at strikers or Bayern Munich. They're not going to, I don't, I, I think we both agree he's not going to play centrally on the, if they can't find if they can find a striker. I don't. You do, you, Ben? Do you believe they will go after a striker? So I've looked up the best if Lewandowski leaves. Yeah, I found a few free agents that I think they could definitely go after. All right, um, Andrea Bellotti from Torino, who is tipped to be one of Italy's best stars. I think he's probably only 28, 29, but he's still got something in the tank. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of short-term solutions where they, they can then find someone else, kind of develop them a little bit, bring in a bit of a younger guy and kind of let them yeah. grow. I think Paolo Dybala is not a bad option either. If you're looking to play a false nine, I think he could fit there very well. Yeah. Or there's the likes of Edison Cavani, who I don't think is signed yet. Yeah. Um, obviously, Luis, uh, Luis Suarez came out, I think, River Plate today. Yeah, so. very close, according to reports, yeah. that he could go back to River Plate. So we'll see how that works. But I don't think Suarez would be an option. So, yeah. I think I think Dybala would be really interesting, especially that false nine. Yeah. Um, I think you'd get a lot of goals, and that's that's a. I mean, it's not a long term solution, but it's definitely you definitely going to get three or four years out of him where you can take that time to find the next Robert Lewandowski. So right, they got to find someone. Yeah, that's going to be a huge question mark. But uh, let's finally get into our final transfer that happened this week, uh, and that's Calvin Phillips 
to Manchester City, uh, leaves Leeds United and joins them for about $45 million. I mean, I look at that fee, I wonder, I just <laughs> look at it again. I had to take off my glasses and be like, that really happened? But, like, so, Ben, explain to me why this is a good sign for Manchester City to add Calvin Phillips, and do you believe – uh, this was the right price to pay for a defensive midfielder who's supposedly going to back up or be a part of a partnership with Rod- Rodri. I think this is an absolute bargain. I really think, and Marvin's <laughs> laughing right now, I think this is a great bit of business. And I think before you get, look at their financials from what they've sold this year in terms of, I think Fernand Torres was up there, Gabriel Jesus and with Holland. Julian Alvarez, most likely Calvin Phillips, and someone else was on that list as well. Um, I think it was uh, Cucurella. Yeah, they're still in the positive. Like they're still, they've still made more money than they've lost this year. Um, I mean, Calvin Phillips is 26, but let's not forget he was England's best player in on their whole national team last year. Uh, obviously, he's been out injured for most of the season, but I don't think he backs up Rodri. I think City are going to get a bit more defensive now. And I think we're going to see them play that 4-2-3-1 that I love uh, with Rodri and Calvin Phillips. As well as you, you have to remember, Gundogan's most likely going to leave, I would assume, within the next year or two. Um, Bernardo Silva getting shown the door. So City now have to figure out, do we A, want to get more of those attacking center mids, or B, do we kind of drop back and get more possessional base players? And Calvin Phillips is a great possessional base player. I was also I think he's a little bit more defensive than Rodri, and I think he'll kind of cover up Rodri's mistakes a little bit better than other players have. Um, so the two playing together are going to be absolutely dynamite, and I am so excited. Calvin Phillips is such a good player. So I still am shaking my head with the price. I'm, I, I agree with you with everything you said. I agree with you with all that you said. $42 million. For a 26-year-old defensive midfield for a team that barely saved in the, in the Premier League. I know he was hurt, and I know he helped England, but, I mean, I, I, I'm i still shaking my head. I think you could have got him a lot less, and I know City have the money so they could spend as much as they want. But I, I just not sure for $42 million you're going to get a, a player that, I mean, obviously they had, you know, City likes to have plenty of depth, but, like, just – I just – I, I, I'm not sure about this. I know he, you know, he's good in possession. He he's, I don't think he's a better player than Rodri. No. I don't think he's a better player than Rodri. Uh, and, and I pretty much the way I look at it is they look for a replacement for Fernandinho, which is Phillips. I think they, they, they were looking for someone who could have the same similar profiles and play the way that uh, Fernandinho played. And so I think this is what City wanted to do. But uh, I, I, he's a good player. I think I like him in possession. He's a, a guy that uh, can have makes take long shots, can have an opportunity at goal. He's been Leeds player, best player the last couple of seasons when they were in the Premier League. Um, I know they missed him a lot, but I again the price tag Ben for me is the only reason why I just don't like the signing. Forty two million for a player that I, I'm not sure will be a star guy. I. I would love to say to see City play with that 4-3-2-1. I don't think they'll do that. Not under Pep Guardiola. It's not the way he plays. He's a 4-3-3 or even likes to play a three in the back. I just don't believe he's going to do that. So I'm not – I will. we probably will see eventually Rodri play with Phillips because as we see, you know, Guardiola likes to have some rotations. But 
I mean, in, in a game of a, a magnitude like a Champions League semifinals or even a final, I think he sticks with that 4-3-3 that he knows very well. Really quick, I think I think it's interesting. City, like you said, City have the money and they can do whatever they want. And if they yeah. wanted him, they they have the money to do it. I think the only reason he's worth that much is a he didn't play much this season, so they can kind of just throw all of his form onto last season and say this is how good he is. Not showing what he is right now, but they can do that. As well as the fact that they signed Brendan Aronson for about thirty million. Yeah, so they kind of need to. I mean, let's be real. Yes, Brandon Aronson's still young and developing, but Calvin Phillips is miles better. And if you're going off market valuations right now, that price is fair for him in terms of what Leeds have seen. And I think right. that's why he was so high. I, th- I think that's the most likely reason it was that high of a fee. I agree. The fee's a little bit high, but it's still a really good deal because he could be worth 70, 80 million if he had played all season. I think, And I, I stand by that. All right. So, Ben, before we uh, wrap up this transfer talks prediction, who do you think will make a transfer this upcoming week? Obviously, Frankie de Jong has been linked to be very close. I mean, could Lewandowski make his move to Barcelona? I mean, will Real Madrid make another move to add to their squad? I mean, um, you know, AC Milan has made a, a move themselves with Origi joining their team as well. So, I mean, what will be your prediction for this upcoming week? Who do you think will, will make a move? I think or the a most, signing. Yeah, I think the most likely move is because of all the stuff happening with Barcelona where they can now start uh, registering. I think it's registering players, right? Where they can kind of work a bit with their financials yeah. a little bit better. Uh, it's not a cop out because I think there's a lot of players listed with Barcelona in terms of. Uh, Marcus Alonso, Aspilicueta, Andres Christensen. Um, yeah, yeah, it hurts. Still, and still, and then, and then people still talking about, oh, they can make all these signs, yet they still have not. Yeah, continue. <laughs> it hurts my heart, but I think Bernardo Silva is going to go to Barcelona soon. And I know, I know you're shaking your head again. I know they've no, said he probably won't leave. I just deep down, I know he's leaving soon, and I'm, I'm getting ready for the day. Um, but I think. I think he'll go soon, and I think it could be within the next few weeks. I think I think it's really going to kick up and progress now that Barcelona can now kind of make moves. Or Lukaku, that's another easy one. Lukaku is a super simple one, but he is. Oh going yeah, we. I mean, obviously, I mean, no, no, that's going to happen. I think that that happened. It's official. I think. I mean, that hasn't yeah. been official yet, but that's. that's Fabrizio Romano said, "Here we go." So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we here go. we go. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with Frankie De Jong to go with that. I think Frankie De Jong is that player. I think he's a, a player that seems like it's close. I think they're, I think that's 85 right now with add-ons and everything. Barcelona, I don't believe are going to get hundred million the way they're acting. I think this deal gets done this week. I think Frankie De Jong will be a Manchester United player. Two very good, very good transfers. I mean, either way, I'm excited for this week because I think this is a big week in the transfer window. So Yeah, Barcelona make it, hopefully can make a lot of moves, but I still think Lewandowski will still have to wait think uh Jules Conde is another player that we still have to wait so we'll see what happens uh with those players and maybe Chelsea makes a move because I think we are still waiting for see what happens with their ownership kind of really being involved which I think we will I'll say that the next week because I, I have some things to say about what their ownership wants us, wants to basically make make this look like an NBA <laughs> franchise when I'm like football is different but um we'll get really? into that another day yeah. Really quickly, Pedersek mm. just stepped down. Uh, yeah, from I can tell. I, I, that's something big. And uh, what is it? Todd Bowley 
Something's happening. That's what I. Him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. I, he just I, stepped down a few so hours. You know ago. what? No, let's let's go here real quickly. We can um, talk about this quick. Yeah, real quickly. He's an owner, an American owner that had, uh, you know, he's on the Dodgers and multiple other franchises. He comes in and pretty much is in the whole operation of Lukaku leaving. Yeah. Now I understand that, and I understand owners the way they're function. But the way this owner's trying to control business, I mean, the reason why I think Czech and some of these others have left is because something tells me this owner wants to act like this is an American club, American team in, 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 in football. I just believe this is not going to go well. I think this is why players, um, transfer players, have not happened yet. Like, I, I don't, haven't seen any move from Chelsea. I mean, they lost three center backs in the transfer window. I where are they going to go from here? What is Tuchel? What's Tuchel's future going to be with now? An owner has wants to have complete control of, of a club right now in Chelsea. I just am not sure how this is going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. He clearly is full hands on every transfer, which I think as an American owner that I don't think really has an investment in understanding of football, you let the football people have it. And I don't think this is going to work well for Chelsea. I completely, I, I, it's just going to be a, it's going to be terrible. I mean, this is a problem. I I really have an issue with this. I hate when these American owners come in and think they act like this is uh, uh, the NFL or the NBA or MLB where no, 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 no. Football is operated very different from any other sport. Everyone wants to be Mark Cuban. That's where I'll leave it. Everyone wants to be Mark Cuban on the FC, uh, FC Dallas. The Mavericks, where Mark yeah. Cuban is ingrained in every single thing they do. And everyone sees him and says, well, if he owns a team, why can't I do that? And it's because no one has as much money as Mark Cuban. But you need to know, I don't, and I don't want to say Bowie doesn't know him much. Right. But you have all of these, not just people who've been working in soccer for a long time. I mean, Petr Cech knows the club, like the back of his hand. Yeah. And the fact that he is willing to step away says something let leave it to the professionals jump in when you can when you think it's necessary but don't overstep you now, need to take that time to look it over and kind of think about it i will say this a bully if, bo- if there's one move that I, w- I will take this all back of what i've said about bully and bully if he gets a sporting director michael edwards who used who left liverpool as their sporting director uh last year I will take every word that I said back. That is the best sporting director available on the market right now for any club right now. What he job he did at Liverpool, the way he recruited, the way he got so many players, that signing right there will probably be the best transfer signing for uh, this Chelsea team. I just think Michael Edwards is fantastic. What he did with Liverpool yeah. was just a game changer. I think that I would I will apologize on this podcast and say I was wrong. I'll, but until then, I'm firm what I said. I'll give you mine. I think if he uh, if he gets Jules Kunde, because how many times am I going to read every morning? Jules Kunde is linked with Chelsea. Like I can't stand it. Either sign him or clearly say you're not going to take him on. If he can go out and he can finally get Jules Kunde, hats off to you. I will. I will also apologize because I can't read it anymore, and it's really it's really frustrating me. 
All right, yeah. so we'll leave it there. This is our transfer talks and a little off topic about Todd Bowley, the new owner of Chelsea. So, but we'll leave it there. Much more of the transfer talks next week. Hopefully, we get more transfers coming in, uh, and we'll discuss that more on this show. Well, coming up, we'll get into football who because we have a lot of uh, of questions asked to each other. So we'll be back right after this. All right, coming back, football who. Ben came, Marvin Agueta. We both have our list and questions to ask. I mean, Ben, let's start with you. What uh, list do you have for me today? In light of Wayne Rooney resigning from Derby, which is something I did not think was going to – I gave him such high praise when I said he didn't go to Everton. And I was like, this guy, this is a Derby man through and through. But he left. So uh, <laughs> I've gone with his final Manchester United game. I will give you the hint that he was not in the team, or he wasn't in. The, he wasn't in the starting lineup. He made he made a substitute appearance, um, May twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. One of Jose Mourinho's. I don't remember if it was one of his last games. It was up there. Um, no, it wasn't. Don't don't. This don't. was when Mourinho. So who was the manager? Mourinho, this game? Mourinho, Mourinho was manager. Okay, Mourinho. Um, it is the Europa League final that Manchester United won two nothing versus Ajax. Okay. So it would have been, they were playing a 4-2-3-1, my favorite formation, and Wayne Rooney's on the bench. I'll give you that because he was kind of the transition point here. So 4-2-3-1. All right, let's go with uh, goalie. Uh, let's go with De Gea. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, let's go with Bailly. Okay. Uh, let's go with... Ooh, right back. Let's go with Antonio Valencia. Okay. Uh, let's go with Zebai Valencia. Marco Rojo. Okay. One more. And um, let's go with Luke Shaw. Blistering start. You've gotten one right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I literally, I mean, I. <laughs> I guess Valen- let me guess the Valencia one is probably the correct one. Yep. Okay. So I, I had no I had no idea. I had a blank out of my head, but I was not confident. Goalkeeper was Argentina's Argentina's finest, Sergio Romero, who somehow was starter every single year, even though I never actually saw him play a game for Man United. <laughs> um, left back, Mateo Darmian. Center backs, Daly Blinds and Chris Smalling. Yeah. Good start, though. Good start. No, I was very confident of not being confident. That's that's kind of the way I looked at it. All right. So, here's, here we go. So, Garrett Bill is joining LAFC, Ben. I mean, obviously, there's so many great performances of Garrett Bell's career. But let's go back to history and go to his iconic Inter Milan performance. I don't know if you remember this. Were you live when this happened, when he scored a hat-trick against uh, Inter Milan? Yeah. I mean, they were... This was this was him at left back, right? Left him at left back. So, okay. so he was 21 years old. He scored a hat trick against Inter Milan. Again, this is the Inter Milan that went on and win. This is won the Champions League. So, mind you, this is a very good Inter Milan team, and he just made him look like nothing. I mean, that was, I mean, I was a pleasure to watch Gary Bale at his peak. I mean, it's just, oh, <laughs> he was just a difference player. But now my question is, in that game, Ben. What number did Garrett Bell wear? Uh, what number did Garrett Bell wear 
in that performance over Inter. I'm going to give you three options, right? Number 11. Yep. Number three or number 10. Number three. Final answer. Final answer. Yep. Sure. Yep. Positive. Yep. Answer is correct. So he, so I mean, I, I think that's the only one. The only reason why I went with that because I'm not sure you were, you, you, I mean, watched the game. But okay, I mean, I know he was at the left back of the position. He's so, one yeah. of those guys I would go back and watch because when oh, I was man. playing left back, uh, years ago, he was one of those guys where I was like, I want to go back and watch prime Gareth Bale, see how he played wing now, how he played defense, and how he kind of I mean, transitioned between attack and defense. Pe- so. People don't know. I mean, I will say this. I mean, obviously, the later years right now, I mean, we forget. But, I mean, those peak years at Tottenham, I mean, he won player of the year. I mean, he was just the best player in the Premier League, and it wasn't even close. That's how good he was. I mean, he was just so different. You know, the speed, the way he, he pressed, I mean, it was just it was amazing. Can I? So, uh, yeah. Quickly, mm-hmm. guns to your head. You have three players: Prime Eden Hazard, Prime Coutinho. Four players: Prime Prime Eden Hazard, Prime Coutinho, Prime Ozil, T- Prime Gareth Bale. In the Premier League, you had one player to slot into your team. Who do you take? Bale. Bale. I think I take. Yeah, Hazard. How about you? I think I take Hazard. Bale. No question. But uh, I like that. I mean, we should bring more of these up uh, <laughs> ne- next time we do this. But all right. Let's get into uh, your, let's get to the two, right? We'll get to the two or the three. So Ben, well, Ray, um, yeah, I think this can kind of go into a four three three. So I'll kind of go like the cam and then the two CDMs for you, like the central cam, because obviously okay. it's kind of like weird. So yeah, um, we'll so do the, the CDM. two CDM, two CDMs. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna go with Matic. That's Mourinho's guy. Uh, I'm gonna go with that, and then let's go with hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. I know, so definitely it has to be Matic. I know that. That's a fact. Uh, I do have one. Man, I know Pogba was on the team, so I know Pogba was there. Now, I don't know who the C- if he was a CDM or or, or midfielder, but I'm gonna go. If if you want Pogba, it doesn't. If you if you get them in the three. It's yeah. fine. So if you say Pogba's the CDM and he's the cam, or you say the cam, all right, it doesn't matter. All right, so, yeah, all right. Okay. so I'm gonna, yeah, I know Pogba's on the team, so I definitely gonna go Pogba. I just don't know what position he plays. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what? What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put him. Yeah, I'm gonna put him as a CDM. I'm just gonna put him there. So I'm gonna put Matic, Pogba, and then as my my cam, I'm gonna go with Jesse Lingard. Why not? Another one for three this time. Pogba wow. was the only, Pogba Pogba was the one that you got. He played CDM, so you did get that right. The other CDM is now at PSG, Ando Herrera. Oh God! Oh yeah, who knew? Wow. Such a good player in his prime. That's very underrated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know he's all right. And the cam, I was gonna give you a hint because I really wanted to say this hint. He was tested as a striker under David Moyes, Marouane Fellaini. I hated that player. Did not like that player. I never understood I love why he Never. I mean, I obviously, no. I never understood why that player was at Manchester United. And I think people are still asking the question many years after he left. But yes. <laughs> well, it was David. It was David Moyes' guy. David Moyes, I mean, it's yes. like Matic. It was. It's like David Moyes' guy. Yeah. All right. 
my second so question. let's get to the next question uh i am struggling i'm having a bad losing streak ben you will not get this right i guarantee you okay. um let's go going to the 2002 world cup we're traveling around it is the great world cup in korea uh the united states had their iconic game over mexico to move to the quarterfinals of the 2002 world cup now against mexico there was a lot of animosity a lot of questions a lot of discussions about that game and many uh victories that happened in the united states now the question for you ben is who was the starting goalkeeper of that game i'm going to give you three choices and this is i hope ben kane you have a lot of interesting back history about the united states here we go i'm going to give you three options i want to guess before i want to say my guess out loud but you've given me three options i think Oh my God, it's either Tony Miola or Brian Dunseth, but I, say your options now. Now I don't want to, because now they could, because <laughs> you get it. All right, here we go. I'm going to, all right, put those. So I did have both of them, so I'm going to put both of them. My God, okay. Okay, you had both of them on the list? I'm going to, I'm going to, I no, no, I had I had two. Basically, I had four goalies. And then I'm going to add here two more. No, actually, no, wait, I gave two. All right, so I have five. So those two. Tim Howard, Casey Keller, Brad Friedman. So I give you five options. So I give you more. Okay. One one of Tony and Donnie was not a, I don't think he was so a goalkeeper. So That's Tony, like- sorry, I'll make this all right, all right. I'll, I'll make this a lot easier for you. So Tony, Casey Keller, and Brad Friedman were all the three goalies from that World Cup. So I'll cut it down to three. Okay, it's not Brad Friedel. So I listen to Counterattack, which is on Sirius XM, and it's Tony and Donnie. <laughs> this is how I know this. And from the stories I can remember, I'm pretty sure they learned from Tony trained with Casey Keller, and Casey Keller was older than him, leading to me to believe that it's Tony Miola. So I'm going to go with Tony Miola. Okay. That's your final answer? Yeah. It's incorrect. Oh, is it Casey? Tony Miola. No, it's Brad Friedel. Oh, you stinker. You stink. Brad, no, Brad Friedel was the starter. He was in Blackburn at the time. I researched it. At the time, Casey Keller was at Tottenham. At this time, in 2002, guess where Tim Howard was playing? If you can get this right, I'll give you an extra bonus point. Uh, Manchester United. No, Metro Stars. The Metro Stars. The Metro Stars. Yeah. When did he go to United? Was it 05, 06, oh, or was it no, 7, no. 8? It was 04, 03, excuse me, 03. So it was a couple, yeah, it was a couple years after that that he went four. to Manchester United. So, yes, he played for the Metro Stars. So, yeah, Brad Friedel was the starter for the United States in their big historical win over Mexico, 2002. I would, I would just like to point out that, A, I knew who Tony Miola was, which is a, is a win. And yes, <laughs> and he yes, he was on the bench, and so was Casey Keller. I mean, and I actually had a Miola. I had to double check because I was like, wait, no way. And I'm like, and then I said, yeah. And if you look into the Google and you watch the lineups, it's Case, it's Brad Friedel. And also that I knew that Brad Friedel played at United, which is a win. Uh, going back to United, the front three. Okay. So uh, a left mid, a left mid slash wing, a right mid slash wing, and then a striker. And I did tell you that Wayne Rooney was not in starting line. All right. So I have, so I need, so they're the wingers, correct? Yep. Two wingers, then a striker. All right. All right. Give me a hint. Um, are they all English? No. 
are two of the three English. I'm not going to answer that one. All right, so I guess that's a yes. Uh, I'll try to think of another hint while you think. Uh, here we go. I have to get these right. Um, <laughs> uh, um, between. Yeah, yeah, I can say this. Um, in their careers outside of this game, both uh, two of the three have also won another European title. Hmm. All right, that's a hint that I think doesn't help me but okay i'll take it i think that's i think I that's think a good that's, hint no i like the hint but it, it, it still brings me it brings more confusion so yes <laughs> um <laughs> he won another europa league two, no 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 two it of makes the, it two two of the three out of the three players you can choose from it can be a europa league it can be any european title so any title Outside of the domestic leagues. All right, here we go. Okay. Striker. Yep. Wow, that's a really long time. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Did they have? No, they didn't have him. Uh, well, I'm know, thinking. You know, you know, Fellaini didn't play up top. That's a no. Hint. That well, well, thank goodness. <laughs> um. I remember watching this game too because I remember the performance from uh, Davison Sanchez, yeah. that IX team. That was a really good IX team. Uh, now I'm trying to think about. You said one player won the Europa League again. That just because uh, then after I believe after that it was just go to the Spaniard teams. Uh, they just been dominating the competition, so that doesn't, doesn't help me. I know Chelsea won it, but that wasn't that was at, no, that was before or after. Um, hmm. I'm not going to give any more hints. All right. Yes. Yes. I, I understand. <laughs> so I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Rashford. Okay. I'm going to go with Rashford. I am. Um, I think he's in that. Um, hmm. Let's. I definitely know Lingard somehow just doesn't feel right, even though it does, but it doesn't. I went with him and I got it wrong. So let's go with, oh my God, I know who it is. Okay. Uh, Ibrahimovic. Yep. And, oh my God, I can't believe I went blanks. God, they signed him. Um, So Ibrahimovic. Rashford, and then so on the year, right. Also, that Alexi Sanchez was there. Could he not doing, him? not doing that. Um, he, he definitely was not a sorry. I know Mourinho hated him. Uh, <laughs> hmm, who was that right there? Man. Um, I mean, I was thinking Mata so much. I was thinking Mata so much, but is it Mata though? Is it Mata? No, he definitely doesn't play the wing. Thinking Ashley Young? No. Damn, he brings it into the conversation. All right. Final answer. Ibrahimovic, Rashford. Mkhitaryan. At the buzzer, he's pulled out Mkhitaryan. He's got it. He's also got Rashford, and Mato was the other one. Oh, oh my goodness. So my hint was... 
Mata won the Ch- Champions League with Chelsea in 2011. So I, he's the name that came up immediately. Now yeah. you threw me off because I was thinking about, I was thinking about, because I wasn't thinking about because I, I didn't think he was a winger. I didn't think he was gonna play the wing in that game. But and and Mkhitaryan won the Conference League this year with Roma and oh, wow. Mourinho. That was the other hint because they they both won European titles outside of United. Wow. Okay, so I think if I get this one right, I win. Um, you got four for 11. Not your best day, not your worst day. Though. Nah. Yeah, all right. So if you get this wrong, I mean, I think the math is, I don't know how it's going to work, but we'll figure it out. All right. I know this one you're definitely not going to get. All right. So, Ben, it was announced that all the cities have been, you know, playing for the 2026 World Cup, right? Everything has been announced on where the city is going to play. A lot of cities here, New York and in uh, Boston and, and kind of the East Coast has been announced. But uh, in 94, the World Cup was also hosted here as well. Okay. Brazil went on to win that World Cup and win their fourth World Cup before also winning in 2002. Now, they played against Italy, an iconic Italy national team that went on to win in 2006. But my question for you, Ben, is that who missed the potential penalty to give Brazil their fourth World Cup win? Who? What? What year was this? 1994. Oh dear God. Okay. Okay. I wasn't even born. I, I wasn't even close. Every football historian <laughs> knows this miss. So that's I will. This one, I think, I, I don't want to give a hint to you because. This one, even I, there's history that I think this one is like. There's a couple his historical like moments. I think this is one of them. He has a documentary on Netflix too, so I'll leave it. I'll give it that too. Might be Ronaldo. No, he no no. This is an Italy player missing to give Brazil their World Cup win. So this is an Italy player. Yeah. I've definitely watched the documentary too. Uh, you know also, I really quickly this is this is not soccer, but John Wall just got bought out and he's going to the Clippers. I think that's really interesting. Actually, All right, so the, right time. now we are recording this at Monday, <laughs> June twenty seventh. It's ten twenty two, and John Wall got bought out, uh, to bought out, and going to the Clippers. Okay, Kyrie <laughs> Irving, by the way, is still going to opt in and be a Nets player despite you know what he did in the last couple of days. <laughs> but continuing on, uh, Ben. Yes, uh, while you think, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get this right because I I know this because my dad explained this to me when I was very young. He talked about, he's always talked to me about the 94 World Cup, how big it was. And he's in Italy and he works in an Italian restaurant and they know all, everybody that I know, know exactly what happened in this moment. So, can I get a position? He's a forward. Forward. God. Okay, I'm gonna. This is a shot in the dark because I can't think of any other forwards. I'm All gonna right, go okay. with. Oh, oh, oh! If you're gonna I'm give, gonna me give you another hint, I'm gonna I'll give you on. another hint. Yeah. So his team. Hold up. I'm gonna give you another hint because I was. I feel a little bad. His team at the time was Florentino. I'm just gonna. Shot in the dark, John Franco Zola. That your final answer? Yeah. Incorrect. Who was it? Roberto Basio. Oh! That, I, I thought the Florentina uh, was going to help. I mean, that, that was so... Oh, man, no way! 
Don't do that to me, Ben. You won. <laughs> You've won by the skin of your teeth again. <laughs> I thought of Baggio. I, I was like, he has a Netflix series on on, on, yeah. on Netflix, and he's a player that was Florentina. I mean, he was a Florentina legend, and then he made his move to Juventus. I mean, it's pretty insane of how that. Had. There's a whole documentary on that as well, and it also, I mean, he had the iconic number ten, and he's the one that missed that that penalty in '94, and that that again. There's a lot of moments in World Cup history. That's that's one that just I know very well. I thought you were going to say he played for Chelsea, and I was going to be like, boom, Zola. And then I went with it anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's – uh, yeah, he missed. And, I mean, he's, he's, he's a legend of a game. A lot of people don't know Basio. Basio was a really fantastic player for his time in, in the 90s. I mean, we talk about Maradona, but he was a player afterwards in the 90s where he was fantastic. So, yeah. Google him, people listening, Roberto Basio. Fantastic Roberto Basio. Um, So, Ben – I think we're in our conclusion of this pod. I mean, anything else you have to say for before we go? Uh, not really. I I think this was definitely up there as one of the best episodes. So, yeah, I had fun. I had a great time. Yeah. Picking lineups I mean, is always a good thing. Uh, less a learning lesson for all everybody that are listening right now is that you know when you're Kyrie Urban and you want to continue to come back to the Nets. I mean, the lesson learned here is you know just just say it. You know. You know, you don't have to cause so much drama. Just say, I want to stay, and then <laughs> causing chaos for at least 48 hours as a lot of media outlets are trying to figure out what you're trying to do. Just, just make it simple for us because, you know, we got things to do. So uh, we'll leave it there. I mean, next week we'll get into, again, more transfers hopefully happen. Um, we'll come up another creative way to kind of talk about last season coming into this season with some of the moves we're making as well, Ben. And hopefully if you get more interviews, um, if people want to listen in right now, you can check out our interview with Dan Thomas, ESPN FC uh, host, and he can check out that interview. It's kind of really fun. We had a great time. Uh, Dan was really cool and awesome with us. So definitely uh, you could check it out in some of our other interviews. So hopefully we get more coming up. Uh, I mean, hopefully we can get more pods and uh, more guests on. So hopefully we can continue that. Right, Ben? Also, if you have any, if, if anyone listening to this has any connections that they'd like to set us up with and would like for interviews, let us know. We're always interested in doing some interviews, playing some fun games, like you said, with Dan Thomas. So, yeah. yeah, we want to do that as well. I mean, I think next week, I didn't even think of this, um, Ben, and maybe uh, just a little tease. Uh, we'll go bench start. Bench start. That's a good one. That uh, is a good one. I mean, that's the one that I've been thinking about, but, you know, we'll, we'll come up with that. We'll something yeah. like that. Um, so we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>